The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street. Here is your top five at five. The axe swinging across corporate America again as layoffs this week alone close in on 20,000. More ESG pushback. The latest bank left out of a deal. We'll tell you why. Crypto under pressure as rumors swirl of new regulations that could hit the bottom lines of its biggest exchanges. Lyft shares tanking as it falls further behind Uber. And later, an energy transition? How trash and trees are helping keep the lights and the heat on in New England. It is happening on this Friday, February 10th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome, as always, from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Happy Friday. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for being with us. Let us kick off the hour with a check on how your money is doing. This after a mostly lower session for Wall Street on Thursday, and we are seeing stock futures down. But but just a touch on the Dow. NASDAQ down a bit more. NASDAQ futures off 92 points right now. The Dow off about 38. Now, the Dow is set to cap off its second down week in a row. The S&P 500 set to snap a two-week win streak. And with a more than 1% drop so far this week, and things could change, obviously, today, NASDAQ is about to break a five-week win streak. But do keep in mind, even if we have a down week, the indexes still are nicely up so far on the year. In the bond market, yields are rising just a bit again. The 10-year at just under 3.7%. But we do have a sharper move higher in oil this morning and some news. Russia saying it plans to cut its March oil production by 500,000 barrels a day. That's apparently in protest to the recent price cap on refined products. Remember, the new embargo on refined products went into effect on February 5th. This is we had the oil price cap. This is a different one, really the third of a row of sanctions. And with that, the price of crude oil is at $79.99. It was above oil a few moments ago, which is up 2.5% as Russia cuts March production. We'll see where they go from there. And a rough week shaping up for crypto with Bitcoin falling back below 22000 after some sharp declines yesterday. By the way, names like Coinbase. Marathon Digital and MicroStrategy, all following crypto's lead lawyer. We will get more on that story in just a moment. But for now, the show is called Worldwide Exchange. Let's go worldwide, get a check on the overseas action in Europe. Juliana Tattlebaum is back, standing by in our London newsroom. And Juliana, I want to say congratulations on the nuptials and what I could see on social media. Looked like a pretty spectacular honeymoon. 
Oh, Brian, that is so sweet. Thank you so much. It was a fabulous honeymoon and a fabulous wedding. So really appreciate the congratulations. Um, now, I just came back yesterday and already so much action to get um, keep track of. We've got European equities trading lower this morning. Uh, 1% of losses for the Zetra DAX. You've got Adidas, the sportswear giant, underperforming sharply this morning. I'll detail that in just a second. FTSE MIB over in Italy trading down by about a third of a percent, 1% down for the Spanish market. A little bit more resilience in the U.K., FTSE 100 trading down about a third of a percent. But let's dive into those single stocks in focus, starting with Adidas. The company warned it could lose around 1.2 billion euros in revenue this year. Operating losses could amount to 700 million euros, with 500 million stemming from potential failure to sell its inventory of Yeezy shoes, made in conjunction, of course, with disgraced rapper Kanye West. The German sportswear maker cut ties with West over anti-Semitic remarks he made and decided to ditch his highly profitable range. And what a share price reaction. Adidas shares are down nearly 11% this morning. In the banking sector, Barclays is reportedly under investigation over suspected failings in its anti-money laundering uh, practices. That's according to the Financial Times. The UK financial regulator reportedly began probing the lender last year. Fairly resilient performance, though. Investors taking those uh, reports in stride. Shares down just about seven-tenths of a percent. And uh, shifting to the macro, we've got Japan in focus this morning. Kazuo Ueda will reportedly be nominated as the next governor of the Bank of Japan. That's according to both Reuters and the Nikkei, which also reports that Ryozo Himino and Shinichi Uchida will be nominated as deputy governors. The Japanese government is expected to present the candidates to parliament on Tuesday, but... This uh, speaking just in the last hour on Japanese television, Ueda said nothing is confirmed but backed the BOJ's ultra-loose monetary policy. And we've had a lot of movement in dollar yen this morning. Right now, the yen is trading firmly versus the dollar. We're uh, currently around 131. So potentially some big ramifications for monetary policy and yield curve control moving forward. But worth noting, Ueda also said that he thinks the ultra-loose monetary policy currently in place is appropriate. Brian, back over to you. All right, Juliana, great to have you back. And once again, congratulations, my friend. Maybe drinks on CNBC the next time we are in London. Thank thank you and congrats, Juliana. Thank you. Good stuff. All right. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. Now, let's get some of this morning's top money stories. Unfortunately, including more layoffs in corporate America, Pippa Stevens is in again with that and more. Pippa, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. Well, the axe is swinging again across corporate America this time, it's Yahoo announcing it will lay off about 20 percent of its staff or 1,600 jobs by year's end, starting with 1,000 cuts this week alone. Yahoo, which is majority owned by Apollo Global, says the layoffs will help streamline operations in its ad unit. Then there's publishing giant News Corp planning to cut more than 1,200 positions or 5 percent of its workforce by the end of the year amid weakness in its advertising and news units. Meantime, Adani Group and its founder, Gautam Adani, hiring U.S. legal powerhouse Wachta, Lipton, Rosen and Katz to fight back against claims made by short seller Hindenburg Research. This as MSCI says it will cut the weightings of four Adani companies in its indices following a rebalancing. And Citi is being dropped from a group of banks set to handle the biggest ever muni bond deal in Texas. This after the state's attorney general said the bank, quote, discriminates against the firearms industry. The Texas Natural Gas Securitization Finance Corporation met last night 
when it dropped City from the $3.4 billion offering. Brian, though, these layoffs in corporate America, you know, it's just the numbers are really piling up here. Yeah, you wonder, Pippa, if it's a tell on the economy or rather them just overhiring during the pandemic. I guess only time will tell. But still, every day we come on, you come on, we talk about 10,000 here, 20,000 here. It's tough. Yeah. Pippa, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you. Yep. Thank you very much. All right. When we come back here in Worldwide Exchange, because we've still got a lot to do on this Friday, the push by the gambling industry to help make sure people do not get addicted to sports betting and maybe the impact it could have on their bottom line. Plus, Lyft shares down as it struggles to keep up with Uber and later on much more on that. What we just talked about, Pippa, the rash of tech and media layoffs as the ripple seems to be turning into a wave. We've got a lot to do. It's about 5.08 on a Friday morning. We'll see you back right after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back. The countdown to the Super Bowl is on, but outside of the actual game itself, a lot of the focus is on how much people are going to bet on the game. And it's going to be a lot, especially as more states legalize gambling. But there is a caveat. Companies like DraftKings and FanDuel are contending with another issue, gambling addiction. Contessa Brewer has the full story from Phoenix. Brian, so much advertising leading up to the Super Bowl, but all this hoopla is raising new worries about problem gambling. Every moment in life is a bet. They advertise the fun, the thrill, and the excitement of placing a bet. Matt Zarb cousin knows it well. He was just 16 when he started betting on sports and quickly got hooked on casino games. It uh, completely dominated my life. It's really quite frightening how how, um, quickly it takes over everything. It's the kind of story that grabs headlines, raises worries, and piles pressure on the legal gaming industry, which is working to prove it's serious about responsible gambling. Our members adhere to a strict code with regard to ensuring that the advertising and marketing goes to um, adults. And then secondly, as it relates to problem gambling and responsible gaming messaging, um, it is a fact that there's never been more attention paid or more money 
uh, put into uh, problem gambling issues. American companies could learn a thing or two from Europe, where concerns over compulsive gambling got so intense, regulators recently cracked down, restricting how much gambling platforms can advertise, what they offer for promotions, even setting limits on how much players can lose. It's taking a real toll on the bottom line. We can look at some of the problem gambling issues. We can see how different regulators have responded to growth or even stability in problem gambling rates. How do you reduce that? Tools for responsible gambling are available from every legal sports book. But as a gambling addict, now in recovery, Matt's pushing the envelope further. Gamban is software that you can download onto your, all your devices and it blocks access to gambling sites and apps and it's designed to be difficult to remove. That's important because if a player self-excludes from gambling, you don't want it to be easy to just jump on a different app or cross state lines to make another wager. And these companies say it's important for them to focus on responsible gambling because they want customers for a lifetime. And that can't happen if addiction enters into it. In Phoenix, Contessa Brewer. Brian, I'll send it back to you. All right, certainly an important topic, and our thanks to Contessa Brewer. By the way, be sure to catch both of Contessa's can't-miss interviews today with the FanDuel CEO Amy Howe at 8 a.m. Eastern, followed by one on, a one-on-one with DraftKings co-founder and CEO Jason Robbins. That at 11.30, all ahead of what, you know, probably is going to be an event that some people bet on this weekend. Did I say go Eagles? Yeah, go Eagles. All right, on deck. The perhaps surprising app leading the downloads this week, Corporate America lending a helping hand to Turkey, and Chick-fil-A goes plant-based for the first time ever. What else could it be but your top trending stories? And they are next. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome or welcome back and good Friday morning, everybody. Time now for some of your Friday big money movers. First up is Lyft. Shares lower. The company reporting an unexpected fourth quarter loss and says sales this quarter will miss analyst estimates. That is despite logging the highest number of riders in three years. Lyft says the rideshare marketplace has improved with enough drivers now to meet demand, but that is leading to lower prices. Lyft shares down a lot this morning. Next up, Expedia also lower. Fourth quarter results missing expectations. Travel website says demand was strong, but they ran into some bad weather at the end of last year. Always blame it on the weather. Management says that trends have improved since, but that stock is down a little bit. And finally, shares of Yelp are jumping. They had record annual revenue and stronger guidance for the year, but it's less from restaurant reviews. As Yelp says, it's gotten more business from home service providers like Plumbers and landscapers, Yelp stock on the rise this morning. All right, in the meantime, let's get a check on some of this morning's other headlines, including another aftershock in what has been a devastating week in Turkey. Philip Mena's in New York with that and more. Philip, good morning. 
Yeah, you said it, Brian. Good morning. Another earthquake has hit Turkey, this time measuring at magnitude 4.6. Families there are facing unspeakable grief. More than 20,000 people have died since Monday's earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. A New York City family of four are among the victims killed in Turkey. Special counsel Jack Smith has subpoenaed former Vice President Mike Pence as part of his investigation into former President Trump's efforts to stay in office after the 2020 election. Before the big game on Sunday, the NFL honored its best players and personnel of the season. And Patrick Mahomes was named the 2022 league MVP, earning 48 of 50 first place votes. It's the second time the Chiefs quarterback has taken home the award. Finally, Kobe Bryant's Lakers jersey from his MVP season has sold for $5.8 million at Sotheby's auction. It's the most expensive jersey worn by the late legend, and it's the second most expensive basketball jersey ever sold. That's it from here, Brian. Back to you. All right, just to, Mahomes, a great guy. I want to reiterate what you said yesterday. The Philip Mena call, you're making a hot take. Eagles 28, KC 27. I think that was the call, correct? That's right. You remembered it. KC covers... <laughs> Yep, yep, you got it. But I think that the Eagles, yeah, you're right. I think the Eagles uh, go out to a big lead. Patrick Mahomes tries to make a furious comeback, but it falls just a big short, uh, one point short. Not even, you, you don't even just have a score prediction. You've got the mm. game. Pre- I mean, if you turn out to be right, Philip, we're going to miss you because you're going to get a contract with NBC Sports for like $75 million a year. One can only that? hope. Philip Mena. That would be something. <laughs> Philip Mena. All right. Eagles 27, KC 28. Somewhere, by the way, Jim Cramer hasn't slept in like four days. (laughs) Go Birds. All right, as we head to break, we are watching shares of Micron, the semiconductor maker, cutting executive salaries by as much as 20% and suspending bonuses. It's trying to weather an industry-wide slowdown. By the way, Chief CEO Sanjay Mahatra will see his salary cut by a fifth, with executive vice presidents getting a 15% cut. Micron shares not moving on that news. We're back right after this. Will your money stage a Friday rally and keep the win streaks alive? Eh, futures, they are lower. More companies sending people home without a paycheck as layoffs rise. The latest company to cut head count. Cut head count. And your morning RBI and why energy inflation may actually be getting worse, even with a slight pullback in prices at the pump, and why renewables are not coming to save the day just yet. It is Friday, February 10th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Friday morning, about 523. It's going to be 60, almost 60 degrees in New Jersey and New York today. It's February 10th. And it's going to be nearly 60 degrees. Wow. Enjoy it. Well, by the way, this is random but interesting. Texas has had more snow this year than New England. Texas has had more snow than New England. That, if that's not an RBI, I don't know what is. All right. Nobody cares. Let's get right now to how the markets are shaping up in this final trading day of the week. It's called Friday. Futures right now, they are lower a bit on the Dow, a little more on the NASDAQ. In fact, NASDAQ futures now down 113. As always, I've said it before, at this hour, take futures. We show them to you because we have to. I actually would prefer if we didn't almost because volume is so light. That said, NASDAQ futures down 114. Dow down about half of that off 71. It was a down week for stocks. 
the S&P 500 is going to snap a two-week win streak unless we get a big turn today. The NASDAQ, which has been red hot this year, looking to break its five-week win streak. Again, if we get some big reversal, some big up day, we could, but overall probably a down week. Now, tech may be lower this week, but a few other sectors of the market have been red hot, like industrials, names we rarely talk about, like Borg Warner, which has its name on the Indy 500 trophy, Ingersoll Rand, Parker Hannifin, all hitting 52-week or even all-time highs. We say that insurance is boring. You know what's not boring? Making money. And the iShares Insurance ETF Coming off another all-time high. See, IAK. I don't think I've ever referenced this ETF ever. The IAK is down right now, but it is up overall at an all-time high. Names like Axis Capital, Primerica, Progressive, American Equity. They're all trading, again, at or near all-time highs. Some of these things we don't talk about. These heavy industrials, insurance, whatever. They're soaring. Been a very good last few months for these names. In the bond market, bonds are selling a bit. Yields are ticking up a bit. And the 10-year yield right now is at 3.69%. What else is up is oil. And we actually have news around oil this morning. Russia saying it will cut its March production by 500,000 barrels a day. Now, they claim... It's in protest over Western petroleum price caps, also this embargo on refined products. Russian Deputy Prime Minister, who's also the Energy Minister, Alexander Novak, making a statement in the last hour saying, quote, The mechanism of price caps on Russian oil and petroleum products is an intervention in market relations and an extension of destructive energy policies of the collective West, whatever that means, end quote. Either way, Russia, which, according to reports, did not consult OPEC about this move, is cutting production 500,000 barrels a day. That's equivalent of about 5% of their January output. But by the way, enough to move oil prices higher. Oil right now is up about 2.5%. Something to watch. Oil was higher a few weeks ago, so it's not like oil is soaring. But oil is up this morning and certainly Something to watch. All right, what else to watch? Some of this morning's other top headlines. For that, let's go back now to Pippa Stevens. Pippa. Hey, Brian. Well, starting here with shares of Coinbase, which are continuing to slide this morning after seeing their largest drop in six months on Thursday. This after-arrival exchange, Kraken, was forced to stop providing its crypto staking investment service and pay $30 million to settle SEC charges. In response to Kraken's settlement, Coinbase's chief legal officer says the company's staking services are, quote, fundamentally different. That stock down about 2%. And it's not just Coinbase. Shares of other crypto-related stocks, including Robinhood, MicroStrategy, and Marathon Digital, also getting hit. PayPal announcing its CEO will step down. Dan Schulman, who became chief executive after the company split off from eBay back in 2015, will retire at the end of this year, but remain on the board. Now, Schulman's exit comes after Elliott Management took a stake in PayPal this past summer, although Schulman tells CNBC he didn't experience any pressure from Elliott. The announcement coming amid PayPal's fourth quarter results, which showed net revenue grew 7% year over year. 
And Tesla is reversing course, now raising starting prices on its Model Y vehicles in China. Tesla raising prices by just under $300. The new move coming after the EV maker rolled out aggressive price cuts at the beginning of the year to fuel demand. Brian, another day, another price change in one of their cars. I can't keep up. Well, we, you better keep up, Pippa, because you talk a lot about EVs. Yesterday, <laughs> we were talking about all these minerals that go in. I know the prices of those minerals are going up. So you wonder if the prices of the cars are going down, but the minerals are going up. What's going to happen to the margins? Yeah, exactly. This is, this is how we think about it, all the different directions. Yeah, we just made the, the worldwide exchange X. I think it's <laughs> one going one way, one the other. Pippa Stevens, thank you very much. We're going to, we're going to trademark the, the X <laughs> for what's happening in EVs. Pippa, thank you. All right, meantime, in a more serious note, layoffs in technology and media continue to accelerate. Yahoo now saying it is laying off 1,600 employees. They'll be left without a paycheck. News Corp says it will cut more than 1,200 jobs this year, or about 5% of its global workforce, that on the heels of a second quarter earnings miss. All of this, of course, follows similar announcements this week from the likes of Affirm, Dell, eBay, Zoom, and what we talked about yesterday, 7,000 people losing their jobs, no more paycheck, at Disney. Now, many have characterized the recent string of layoffs as a ripple, not a wave, isolated to specific sectors. But with nearly 20,000 jobs this week cut alone, is the tide turning in the wrong way? Let's talk about this more with Stephanie Mehta, Fast Company CEO and Chief Content Officer, and Dana Peterson, the Conference Board Chief Economist. Dana, start with you. Is this more of a tell on the economy or maybe more of a tell on companies that overhired during the pandemic? I think it's the latter. Certainly these uh, layoffs that we're hearing are from the pandemic darlings, tech, finance, but also real estate, retail, and warehousing. Uh, But most of the economy is still doing well. We're still seeing job gains, especially amongst those industries that are providing services that are in high demand right now. Yeah, you know, Stephanie, I love my job. But the worst part about this job is when I have to go on TV and tell people that a stock is up because thousands of people are going to have to go home and, you know, and without a paycheck. I I hate it. I hate when stocks rise on layoff news, but it's been happening. And you do wonder if CFOs are seeing this and saying, oh, you know what? Maybe we're a little, we're a little heavy on the headcount. If we lay people off, the stock will go up. It could actually be sort of a bizarre incentive Absolutely, Brian. And first of all, I'm I'm with Dana on 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 this being um, more of a ripple than a wave. Um, you know, if you do look at the companies that are cutting back, they are definitely in the sectors that um, boomed during the pandemic. And so, you know, I I'm I'm optimistic that this is somewhat limited. But you know, James Sirwicky in Fast Company recently wrote about the fact that if you look at a lot of these layoffs, they do fall into the five to seven percent of headcount category, which is a very specific number. And it seems to suggest that technology CEOs are trying to gauge just how much they can lay off while still satisfying Wall Street without really hurting their core business or, frankly, alienating their employees because they don't like to make the announcements about layoffs either. 
Yeah, and Dana, you know, obviously we hit them. That's our job. We say this company, that company. And I always want to remind people there are human beings that are behind these layoffs. They try to sort of put it in this corporate speak, but there's families. There's people that go home and say, well, honey, I lost my job today. That's got to be tough. If there was some, I guess, more positive news on that side, it does appear, at least for now, Dana, that the layoffs are really kind of focused on tech, like we just talked about. Maybe you have, and I haven't, and correct me if, if, if I'm wrong, I have not seen a lot of layoff announcements from non-tech. Have you? No, we haven't. Indeed, uh, we're still seeing big labor shortages in industries such as hotels and restaurants, air travel, especially commercial air travel, and things like arts and entertainment. Those areas have yet to even fully pull back all the people that were let go during the pandemic, and they are still hiring very robustly. And so that's the good news. And so, and netting out that, you still see pretty uh, strong gains in construction. And that's because you still have a lot of homes that need to be finished. And also, we're starting to see federal and state and local infrastructure projects go to the build stage. Yeah, you know, and Stephanie, obviously, we had the pandemic trends, and we saw this dramatic shift of power, you know, and you can agree with it or not, but it went from sort of bosses and management to employees and and bosses were like, well, now you got to come back to the office. The employee's like, sorry, I moved to Boise, Idaho. I'm I'm not coming back to to Silicon Valley. You do wonder if some of this, you know, is companies saying, okay, you don't want to come back to the office. You're going to lose your job. Like there's some, it feels like there's a flex, like a power play here, maybe by management to maybe rebalance who's in charge. Yeah, and I I would not say it's exactly a one-to-one equation where it's like, you know, you're not coming back into the office, so see you later. But as you said, I think it is a little bit, um, and Minda Zatlin has written about this in Inc. Magazine for us, you know, is there a little bit of an effort by management to rebalance the equation? Um, You know, workers certainly and, and justifiably have seen the pendulum swing back in their favor a little bit and you know, some of this conversation may be a little bit about management teams trying to wrest back some of that control. Yeah, and Dana, you guys uh, do your own CEO survey. So you go out, you talk to them, ask them questions, they answer. What are they saying? What What is your survey saying maybe behind what we are seeing? Well, it's interesting. Our CEO confidence survey for the U.S., which canvases the business council, um, for this last month, uh, basically indicated that still there's still some pessimism among executives. They think there's still going to be a recession in the U.S., short and shallow, but they're still holding on to labor. Most of them are not doing anything with their labor forces, and a number are still hiring. Indeed, only about 19% of CEOs in the survey say they're actually cutting workers. And the interesting thing, though, is that they're still looking to raise wages as a way to both retain talent and attract talent. Um, but on the other hand, in terms of them saying that they're experiencing difficulty finding qualified workers, that's coming off a little bit. But indeed, in our other survey of executives that was published two weeks ago, um, there's still this big focus on corp- corporate culture. And so that's probably why many businesses are trying to bring workers back into the labor market, well, not only back into the labor market, but back to the office so that they can enhance the corporate culture for growth. 
I mean, that's it, Stephanie. I know people don't like it. They don't want to be on New Jersey Transit or Long Island Railroad or the, you know, MARTA or the BART in San Francisco, whatever it may be, or driving in. But companies, they want people back in the office. I mean, there was a reason that people were in the office before. It's not like computers and work from home are new. Anybody remember Marissa Meyer and Yahoo calling everybody back to the office? That was like 15 years ago, Stephanie. What, what are you guys at fast? You're always on kind of the, the cutting edge of thinking. What's good? I mean, are we 100% back to the office? Or will employers have to make some concessions? Say, you know, hey, Mr. Sullivan, you can work from home two days a week. Where's this going? I I do feel like employers are going to have to make some concessions. It'll probably be on an industry by industry basis. But, you know, just going back to what Dana was saying about employers still needing to find qualified workers. You know, if you are in a situation where you need people and you need people with a specific skill set, um, you know, I know in our own organization, we've been much more willing to hire people who aren't in the New York area because we have seen that, you know, you are able to draw from a wider pool of employees if you are willing to hire remote. So I don't think that's going away. I just think for certain industries where you need a certain kind of talent and you can't find them in your own backyard, you're going to have to be able to hire remote. And as a result, you can't have one set of policies for your new high quality hires and have a different set of policies for, for yeah. your employees who are, are, are in the, the headquarters area. So I do think that hybrid is here to stay. Stephanie Meta, Dana Peterson, a, a, an important discussion, a good discussion. Appreciate you both getting up early. Happy Friday. Have a good Super Bowl weekend. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Thanks, Brian. Folks, I don't know about you, but I mean, I know the difference between an office job and a corporate job. You know, there's help wanted signs everywhere on the labor side. Just such a bizarre job market right now. All right, coming up, your morning RBI and maybe some uh, concerning signs around renewables, why they are really far from transforming energy, particularly in New England. We're going to tell you a story you are not going to want to miss coming up. But as we had to break, some of your top trending stories, Amazon, Ikea, Chobani, among the latest companies sending aid to the victims of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Amazon saying it will donate $500,000 to groups including Save the Children and UNICEF and donate products and provide logistics support. Microsoft's Bing app rocketing to the top of Apple's App Store one day after Microsoft announced its integration of the chat GPT into its browser. TechCrunch noting that Bing, now ranked as the 10th most downloaded app, wasn't even on the list before. Thank you, AI. And get this, Chick-fil-A, its newest sandwich, is going full-on cauliflower. Fast food chain testing its first plant-based entree in Denver, Charleston, and Greensboro, North Carolina, beginning on Monday. Chick-fil-A says it's been working on a plant-based sandwich for nearly four years. The cauliflower filet? We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Time for your morning RBI. Oh, actually, you know what? Let's do NASDAQ winners and losers this week. Shame on me. I knew that. Picar, Picar, truck maker, Soaring, Pfizer, Fortinet, AstraZeneca, Tesla. Those are your winners. On the downside is actually the hottest company this year. Lucid, the electric car maker, was the hottest stock 
this year. It's the worst performer this week. Some reports about owners of their, you know, obviously $150,000, $175,000 electric cars having issues like opening their doors. Lucid Air and Lucid Group stock down 11%. Alphabet, Intel, PayPal, and SiriusXM, your laggards this week. All right, now back to your morning RBI. And today's RBI is based on something obviously close to my head and heart, what I talk about all the time and cover for CNBC, and that is energy. Particularly the two realities of energy today that do not get a lot of attention elsewhere. Number one, energy inflation is getting worse, not better, despite a small drop in gasoline prices. Number two, that what you may hear from politicians about electricity and energy is shall we say, maybe not always exactly accurate, to be fair. All right, so first, let's talk about costs and focus on our favorite electric grid to look at, and that is New England, which is not only important, but also, credit to them, does a great job in breaking down the data. So thank you to the New England, what they call independent systems operator, ISO. First up, costs. And to all of our viewers and listeners and friends up in Boston and New England, We know how you got shocked, sorry, by your power bills recently. The New England grid operator, admitting that from December of 2021 to last year, wholesale electricity costs doubled, up 104% year over year. Now, it's largely because natural gas prices were high in November, and hopefully, with these recent drops, maybe some electric prices will come down soon. We will see. All right, now to how you get your electricity. And you probably know there are many ways to make power. And we hear so much about renewables like wind and solar that you would think these are like major players ready to take over. We're about, we're on the edge of the energy. It's about ready to happen, the energy transition. By the way, wind and solar are cool and they are going to be the future, most likely in many ways, but they're not even close. Just want to show this. Of course, Here's how your electricity was made last year in New England. And it was nearly all fossil fuels or nuclear, okay? Last year, your power in New England was 52% natural gas, 26% nuclear, which a lot of people are still trying to get rid of. Wind was 4%. Solar, 3 Trash, what they call refuse, burning garbage, was also 3%, okay? Wood, 2%, and oil, 2%. So I want you to consider that. In the 21st century, what's the year, 2023? Trash and trees generated as much electrical power as wind and solar in New England. It's hard to believe, but it's true. And kind of the sad reality of the situation so despite what you may hear and, you know, what was on display, by the way, yesterday in a big way. In fact, look at this. On Thursday, the number one renewable, because they break it out as renewables, the number one renewable source of electricity generation from Connecticut to Presque Isle, Maine, was garbage. Burning trash was 36% of renewable power production yesterday afternoon. That was only renewables, by the way, only 5% of total power generation. All right, it's a lot of numbers. It's early. Even I'm not sure what I'm talking about. But the bottom line is this. Trash, burning garbage, was about 1.8% 
of all electricity production in New England yesterday afternoon. Wind, which you probably hear about all the time, was 0.8% of your electricity in places like Boston and Bangor and Portsmouth and Concord and all these other cities. The bottom line of all this is we know that renewables are going to keep growing as a percentage of our power production. We know that. But unless you call trash and trees renewable, the trees are renewable, just takes a while. The reality of the situation is far, far different right now than some of the political talking points you hear so often, particularly in New England. It's random and it's real and hopefully interesting. All right, as we head to break. During February, we are celebrating Black Heritage with some of our CNBC teammates, contributors, and business leaders. Here is CNBC Director of Control Room Operations, the great Horace McBean. What I'm really proud of is how Jamaican folk, we persevere. Um, We know how to survive. Uh, We take the small amount of things that we have and we make really big things out of them. Working for CNBC has been great because it provides so much to me. And, you know, being a director now, I've grown up in this this company and be able to have what I have today and be able to give back to my small community back home is just thankful and grateful for that. So always remember that when you make it and you become successful, try to give back and give back as much as you can. Welcome back. Good Friday morning. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Here we go. First up, Chinese chipmaker semiconductor manufacturers warning of a dim outlook for the year despite record high revenues last year as demand for consumer electronics weakens. Citigroup being dropped on the list of banks set to handle a $3.5 billion municipal bond deal in Texas, and it's because of their gun policy. Texas Attorney General saying, quote, that city discriminates against the firearms industry, barring the bank from underwriting most government borrowings in the state. Happening in Asia, shares of Dai Nippon soaring after announcing a record share buyback. The Japanese printing giant appearing to bow to pressure from Elliott Management, which recently took a stake in the company. Meantime here, Lyft shares crushed down more than 20%. This is the ride-sharing company forecasted weak revenue growth due to adverse weather and a drop in surge pricing. And in India, Gontam Adani hiring the giant law firm of Wachtell Lipton fight against accounting fraud and stock manipulation claims made by short seller Hindenburg Research. And finally, Adidas warning it could lose more than $1 billion this year if it fails to sell its inventory of Yeezy shoes after terminating its partnership with Kanye West. Shares are down a lot, more than 12% in overseas trading. All right, so with all of that, let's dive into the trading day ahead and find some opportunity on this Friday with our friend Keith Lerner, Truist Advisory Services, Co-Chief Investment Officer, and Melissa Brown, Global Head of Applied Research at Contigo. And Keith, I want to start with you because, as you probably know, and I often lift your stuff from my RBI. I mean, listen, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, right? (laughs) And you have some great points, and you noted, and I think we did this earlier this week, my brain's getting old, which is that... This year, this January, was basically the exact 
opposite of last January. I mean, literally stocks that fell, rose, bond yields went one way. Everything was just flipped. So what does that mean for the rest of the year, at least to you? You know, Brian, great to be uh, with you. And I'm just happy that you're using our work. So thanks so much uh, for highlighting it. So you're right. It's just a mirror image of last year. You know, we peaked, um, you know, the, the first week of January last year. We had interest rates uh, that started to move higher. The dollar moved higher. Uh, growth stocks were, were down a lot. A basket of more speculative growth stocks uh, were down over 20 percent in January. So as you mentioned, it's the complete opposite. So the question becomes upward and onward. And our answer is uh, unlikely. Um, in fact, earlier this week, we actually took the rebound or used the opportunity to raise some cash. Uh, you look at you know, where short-term interest rates are, and you're you know above four percent, and with the market right now, part of our view is that it's pricing in a lot of good news and not much margin for error. You know, there's a whole debate, Brian, as you know, about recession or no recession. Even if you had a soft landing, you're trading at an 18 multiple today, and even if forward earning estimates stay where they are today, which we think there's downside. Um, you know, we think that the upside is probably capped about two or three percent from this level. You have to remember before the pandemic. The highest multiple this market got was uh, for the S&P was about 18 and a half. That's the highest. Uh, and, and rates are much higher now. So the question becomes, you know, why, why do we why will we pay a, a well above market premium when there's this much uh, macro uncertainty? Yeah, you know what, Melissa, it's like I, I wonder what what happened. It's like the calendar flip from December 31st to January 1st. And all these traders just said, you know what, whatever was terrible last year, we're going to start buying. And, you know, we, I like to pretend we're really smart on this side of the camera. I have no clue why. I mean, why suddenly people started buying these beaten up names? Do you? I'm not sure I have a great answer for that, but I would say that we have seen the market going up on very low trading volume, so much lower than it was for much of last year, for all of last year, actually. And so, you know, I think it is the marginal player that's driving these stock prices up. Um, and I think what that means is that there's not that general support of the whole market that's saying, oh, yeah, we've seen fundamentals change. We we see something great out there. It's a few yeah. people. Yeah. Well, let's say, Melissa, should we be a little should we be a little nervous right now? I mean, it just feels weird out there. <laughs> well, yes. And um, I think, you know, by nature, I think you have to be a little bit nervous to, to be invested in the stock market. But, yeah, I agree with everything. Rates are high. Um, uh, short or long or offers a very good alternative where you can get some return. Whereas if you go back to a year ago, you weren't getting anything in the bond market. So you kind of had to be in the stock market. Yeah. But now you don't have to be. And and we also have the specter of inflation and, um, and you know, global uh, dislocation and all sorts of things like that that, that do yeah. make it a little worrisome. And Keith, I'm going to give you the final word. And in RBI, you noted October 13th was our peak high of inflation, at least for the data. Same day, the stock market made its high. It's why I love you. You're bringing the heat on the on the data. Does that mean stocks are directly tied inversely to inflation? It's actually the day they made the low. So I think the bull ca- the, the biggest bull case, Brian, is that you made the low on really bad news last October that you know generation high printing inflation 
we've had a nice move above some technical levels, but we're still skeptical, as I mentioned, because of the um, you know the macro and fundamental concerns. And one last thing, Brian, on that reversal that you talked about, the like, now we did a study. Um, the, the 50 worst stocks in the market uh, last year are up. Were up in January mm-hmm. over 40 percent. Every single one of those stocks were up. We think that was the liquidity and oversold condition, but we don't think it's sustainable given the the macro backdrop and, and you know reduction in liquidity that we're still seeing. Yeah. Not sustainable, not not exactly the most bullish of calls. But Keith Lerner, Melissa Brown, we really appreciate it. Have a great Friday, a good Super Bowl weekend. Thanks for joining us, folks. Thank you for joining us. As always, you're listening on the podcast and Worldwide Exchange. We'll see you on Monday. Go Eagles. Squawk Box is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.